Thank you so much for joining us online today. Next Level Church exists to lead people to become fully engaged followers of Jesus. We'd love to hear about what God is doing in your life. You can email us at mystory@nextlevelchurch.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For locations and service times, visit nextlevelchurch.com locations. Also, if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here by giving, go to nextlevelchurch.com slash give. We hope you enjoy this message and have a great day. Well, what is up, Next Level Church? So I just got to be honest with you. I cannot watch that video. Like, I am looking away because I can't do it because it makes me cry every single time because... Ah, it's just too real. It's too real. It's too real. Well, hey, welcome, everybody. My name is Matt. I'm the founding and lead pastor of Next Level Church, and I just want to say welcome to our brand new series that we're calling Crazy Like Us. And for the next four weeks from now to Easter Sunday, we are talking about family. Everyone say family. Come on, every location say family. Family, that's what we're talking about. And so, man, I just want to welcome all of our services in Fort Myers. I want to welcome uh, our Gateway location. Welcome to our Bonita Springs location. All of our services online. Welcome. To, just say, everybody, welcome. You know you feel welcome here at Next Level Church. And so, uh, before we get into our Crazy Like Us series, let me take just a second. And you heard us mention it in our news video. And that is our Generosity Challenge offering happening in two weeks uh, from this weekend. Two weeks, our Generosity Challenge offering for our kingdom builders. And so, uh, let me just kind of unpack that because for kingdom builders, that's our above and beyond giving. So there's our normal uh, tithe that we give and then above and beyond. Once we're tithing, then we have this special fund called kingdom builders. Uh, and we are, we're always partnering or we're doing four things, people, places, partnerships, and projects. And so that's how we as a church uh, just get the maximum ROI in terms of life change, not only regionally, but uh, across our state, across our nation, and literally to the four corners of the earth. And so I wanted to tell you about one of our partners uh, that God has privileged us to partner with here in 2018, and that is a ministry called Equip. Everyone say Equip. Equip. And so Equip is a foundation or an organization that was started by John Maxwell, uh, the leadership expert, several years ago. And so uh, John's heart for leadership um, drove him to, to create Equip. And Equip literally does leadership development and leadership training uh, with leaders in 196 nations. And so just an incredible ministry that's, I think, over 20 years old now. Uh, and we're just so privileged to partner with them because what Equip has done is they have essentially taken John Maxwell's leadership principles and trainings and, and teachings and have packaged them in such a way that there are heads of state, literally presidents of nations who are, by dozens of them, who are calling John Maxwell's organization saying, come to us and tr do leadership training and development. And so they come in and they use John's principles and they... they teach and train tens of thousands of leaders in an entire nation uh, in the seven streams of influence. And maybe another time I'll teach you what the seven streams of influence are. Anyway, uh, they go in and they do that. They train them. And over a two-year, three-year period of time then, they eventually earn credibility until they can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. So listen to this, you guys. Last year in 2017, Equip led 56 thousand people to Christ, a first-time decision for Christ in one year. It's incredible. 
So you guys, we're so privileged. They, I'm actually going on an equip uh, trip in two weeks to Costa Rica with John Maxwell and his team. We're launching the nation of Costa Rica in two weeks. So be in prayer for us, guys. When you give to Kingdom Builders, you're a part of that. So you got to know. That's on us, you guys. It's absolutely incredible. Just incredible. Well, I mentioned that this weekend we're kicking off our brand new series called Crazy Like Us. And so for the next four weeks, we are going to have some fun talking all of about family. Now, here's the thing. Well, I want you uh, to, to picture in your mind's eye right now that picture of that perfect family, okay? Think about it, right? They're on Facebook, and they're just awesome, and they're just, they do the arts and the crafts with the kiddos, right? And they're just the perfect little family, okay? Can I just, here's, what, here's a starting point. Ready? It's a lie, Okay, there ain't none of us who got, come on, there's nobody in, on planet earth who has a perfect family. It is hard to be in family. Let me throw out a few thoughts, ready? The family's never been crazier than it is today. Can I get an amen to that? It is a crazy time. Families are stressed out, busy, hectic, overwhelmed, frantic. And that's just every morning trying to get the kids out the door for school. Amen, parents? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And the family is multifaceted. The family's never been more multifaceted than it is today. That when we think of the word family, when we think of that definition of family, it has changed over the last several generations that family today includes things like blended families with multiple sets of, of parents or broken families, splintered families. Single parent families, whether a single mom or a single dad is going it on their own, so to speak. The traditional family, families with relatives living in the home. There's so many different definitions when we say that word family. And here's the thing, there's, there's unprecedented pressure on kids and on parents alike today, isn't there? Apparently, there's financial pressure. To apparently provide the biggest and the best and the newest and the most image conscious thing out there. There's material pressure that apparently parents, our kids have to have the newest and the fastest and the latest fashions and technologies or else apparently they'll be left behind. There's experiential pressure that apparently our kids gotta be in like eight different activities all at the same time in order for them to be, wait for it, well-rounded. <laughs> There's nutritional pressure. Apparently, if our kids don't eat the right superfoods and drink water distilled from a remote island in the Pacific and only non-processed fruits and vegetables organically grown in our backyard, they'll have significantly less brain power later in life. <sighs> There's educational pressure that apparently if our kids aren't reading at a fifth grade level by the age of three, <laughs> then we have convinced ourselves they're going to be drug addicts by 13. <laughs> it's unbelievable. There's crazy amounts of pressure, aren't there? And all this pressure, all this crazy has caused most families to live without hope. And see, families, see everybody, when we lose hope, we lose everything. And all of a sudden, all of life feels overwhelming. And I can only imagine that there are so many of us right now 
in one of our services this weekend, and you've come in, and that's how you feel, parents. You feel overwhelmed. You feel stressed out, and you feel, well, hopeless. Man, I'm telling you, I, and I get it. I have two boys, 17 and 14, and, and it, we, we look like the happy little family, and we are. But can I just tell you, we're crazy. No, it's real, okay? We are, we are anything but perfect. I'm just telling you, anything but perfect. So, so it was probably a, almost 10 years ago now, 9 or 10 years ago, my kids, my boys were probably 8 and 5. And here's the deal. When it comes to parenting, I'll just be honest with you. Like, this is a hard series for me because I don't actually feel like I'm a good parent. And my wife's like, no, you're a good parent. And I'm like, all right, I'm taking it on faith. So... <laughs> So I remember Sarah was out doing, running around. It was a Saturday, and the boys we were living in a two-story house at the time, and the boys were upstairs playing in their little play area. And I was downstairs doing something, and all of a sudden, they got to fussing with each other. And, you know, all of a, now they're fighting, and all of a sudden, there's crying and, you know, screaming and whatever. And so I go running up the stairs, and I have that, that, that parent moment. Come on, parents. I have that parent moment where I run up the stairs, and their little play area is right at the top of the stairs. And so I get up there, and I go, boys, listen, I'm sure that there is something really, really smart and, and important that I should be saying to you right now. Dead serious. I said that. Eight and five. And then I looked at him, and I go, and I have no idea what that is. But as soon as mom gets home, she'll tell all three of us what it is. I totally said that. Totally said that. So if you guys could just knock it off until mom gets home. I totally did. I'm like, she will tell all three of us what we should have been doing. Gosh. We're crazy. It's parenting is just family's crazy. So so here's what I want you to know. Listen, three things you need to know. Maybe you want to write these down right as we begin this series. Okay. Number one, God has a plan for our family. Everyone say plan. God has a plan for our family. Number two, there's hope for our family. Say hope. There's hope for our families. And number three, this is a big one. We are more in control of our family's future than we think we are. Next level, you got to get this. Parents, listen, you got to get this. This weekend, we are more in control of our family's future than we think we are. Even if your kids are grown and out of the house, even if your kids are grown and still in the house. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Listen, you just, you got to know, listen, there's hope. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to re-engage the pursuit of healthy, God-honoring, life-giving family. So that's why we're doing this series. That's what, so don't miss a week. I'm just telling you, don't miss a week. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start by talking about three essentials of a successful family. Three essentials of a successful family. If you want to take some notes or write this down, here's why. Because all of us are in a family. All of us are a part of a family. All of us have influence in some kind of familial structure. But parents, let me say this. I'm gonna, we're going to talk a lot toward us because parents are, have so much to do with the success of our family. So, so parents, I want to talk to us specifically this weekend especially. Let, let's, let's dig into this stuff. Three, three essentials for a successful family. Here's the first one. Number one, parents, I would say this. Parent to your face. 
Parents, we've got to parent to our face. And listen, if you're a teenager, write these down because these are important because A, you're going to be a parent someday probably, and B, you have parents right now, and this matters, okay? So parents, write these down. Grandparents, write these down. Get this. This is big. We have to parent to our face. Knowing what phase of life we're in matters a lot when it comes to having a great family. Now, let me rise up a level and say this. Historically, there have, have always been, traditionally, there are three, when we think of parenting phases, there are three phases of parenting, okay? The first is that baby or toddler or preschool phase. The second, then, is that elementary slash preteen, you know, phase or year, you know, those years, the preteen elementary age years. And then there's they're the high school or the teenage years, right? Those all-important, pivotal teenage years, and each, each one of those phases matters. And I want to unpack that for just a second in, in a moment, but, but here's the deal. Traditionally, historically, this is where most people think of, of, it, it ends, with those three phases. But here's what research is showing us in our world today. Research has shown that adolescence is becoming longer, that the, that the launch runway for this emerging generation is, is, is longer now. And so researchers are actually naming now, calling them th- this a fourth phase of adolescence. And that is, for lack of a better term, a- a- an emerging adult. Here's what researchers are saying. 26 is the new 18. Now, for some of us, that's really bad news. For others of us, we're like, oh, thank God, only 26? Good. Okay, listen, let me, let me take just a second, all right, and talk about this emerging adult phase, okay? The, the, the researchers are saying that, that, that adolescence is extending, that they're still launching. It's, it's, it's a longer runway, and we're seeing the rise in grown children still at home and, and grown you know, adolescents who are just not ready to launch, that they're staying in this adolescent mindset longer. Now, here's the deal. I recognize, listen, I recognize the temptation for us is to judge that. But before we rush to judgment, can I, can, I just, can I just speak a word to us this weekend? Listen, because some of us who are out of that phase have instantly went to, okay, hang on, okay, so I, I hope you enjoyed that, like 53 seconds of judgment, okay, so there you, you did it. Hold on. Here's what we're learning. Here's what research is saying to us, and here's what I think is the responsibility of a church like ours. I think there is a huge opportunity for this emerging adult phase of our world, of our nation, of our region, this 18 to 26-year-old phase. You know, what they're, you know what they don't need? They don't need judgment and condemnation from us. You know what they do need? They need mentors. They need unconditional love. And they need belief that they can actually launch and be successful in life. They have, they, this generation has been raised with more pressure and weight and expectation on their shoulders than potentially any other generation to have ever walked the planet. And so let's move off of our judgment, shall we? 
followers of Jesus. And instead, let's step into a belief in this young generation. Let's step into a belief in this, these emerging adults. Let's take them by the hand and say, hey, we got you. We want to help you. Let's do this. And I recognize that right now I'm talking to some 18 to 26 emerging adults. Uh, several hundred of you who attend our church. Can I just tell you something? Listen, we got you. We believe in you. We're with you. We're for you. We're not judging you. You're in a church that believes in you. But let me say this. You still need us. And that's okay. We need each other. And so, so emerging adults, listen, find a mentor. And let me just say this. As a pastor, as a voice of influence in your life, emerging adult, listen. It's okay that you don't have it all figured out. You're not supposed to have it all figured out. The best thing you can do is plant yourself in the house of God like this one and get plugged in and serve and get passionate and get around some mentors, some people in the older generations who will take you under their wing and ask them questions, lean into them. And then if you're in one of those older generations, lean into those emerging adults. Why? Because I think that's where the power is. Here's the deal. We all have influence over the next generation. Let's steward it for God. Amen? Amen. All right, so back to the whole parenting uh, our phase deal. The families, listen, here's the deal. Parents, we need, we, it's so important for us as we look to this idea of parenting our phase to, to, um, to define what success looks like for our family in every phase. Because every phase is different, and if we don't define success, then we w if we don't name a target on the wall of success for that phase, then we'll always feel like we're failing. And isn't it true that that's where hopelessness comes from for so many of us? We, we look around our life, and then we look at the perfect little families, which, by the way, social media is a billboard, not a diary. So stop judging your diary by someone else's billboard. So we'll, we'll look at somebody else's billboard and we'll go, we're failing. Our family stinks. Not true. Their family stinks too. You just can't smell it. <laughs> so what does success look like for each phase? Listen, if you're in that baby and toddler phase, that preschool phase, I'm just, people, parents ask me all the time, hey, we're new parents. Any advice? No. <laughs> Hold your breath. Like, for real, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Pray for daylight. I, I, don't, I don't know. Listen, parents, if, if, you're in that, if you're in that preschool baby toddler phase, consistency is everything. And it's so hard because those young ones are so exhausting. And yet you're laying a foundation in them. Uh, that, that consistency lays a foundation in them that will seriously last a lifetime. And so I know it's easy, it's so tempting in the moments when you're so physically exhausted to just look down and go, you know what, who cares if they brush their teeth tonight? <laughs> be consistent, be consistent, be consistent, be consistent. You, you're, you are shaping, uh, another thought with this, preschool age parents, you are shaping their image of the love of God. 
So joy, peace, comfort, uh, that, that foundation of unconditional love, you're setting that. That's the goal. That's success. Getting into a rhythm, rhythm with them uh, and leaning on God's strength. That's success in that preschool baby toddler phase. For those of you in that elementary zone, kind of that preteen years, and again, please hear me. I do not pretend to have all the answers, all right? I am only reading what my wife wrote. <laughs> This is so good, honey. This is so good. It's my handwriting and your heart. Just telling you. Listen, if you have elementary, you're in that middle school, elementary kind of preteen zone of parenting, let me tell you something. We all feel like we're not good at this. And I have said for years when talking about this parenting subject that the minute you think you got a phase figured out, they transition out of that phase into a new phase, and you're like, I got nothing. I have no idea what the heck is going on right now. So listen, show yourself some grace. It's okay. You got this. And and here's, here's the caution. Listen, we can get so caught up in what we're not that we end up not being what our kids need. So stay consistent. Let that, let that unconditional love of God just, just flow through you because in this, in this preteen phase, uh, there's, there's the introduction of friends and homework and what, what our kids need from us is, is what our core beliefs are going to be. I'll talk about that in a second. But they, they, they're starting to try and figure out what they believe they could become and they're dreaming some. And what they need to see from us is that consistency of love and support. That teen, those teenage years, and listen, I am one. We are smack dab in that teen years parenting thing. Our kids need boundaries. They need unconditional love. The teen years are the years where we're kind of, Dave Ramsey says, we're kind of letting out the rope a little bit at a time, like they're skiing behind the boat. And when they're younger, you keep them real close. But, but then you start to lengthen the rope a little bit and you let a little more slack out and a little more slack out. And as trust is built and proven, you let more and more. Listen, parents, that, that's, that's, those, there's boundaries and all that. There's unconditional love and, and trust. And, and, and let me say this, parents of teenagers, listen, and again, I can't give exhaustive advice here, but that's what the, over the next few weeks, Sarah and I and our family, we're gonna, we're gonna try and help you do that. Teenagers, listen, when, when, when you ask them a question and their answer is fine, good, or uh, I guarantee you there's more going on in their heart. And I understand it's hard. It's a struggle to pull that, that communication out of them. Teen, our teenagers, they need us to talk to them. They need us to listen to them. They, 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 and I'll talk more about this in point three. So, so let, me, uh, let me, one more thing, though, with the teen deal. Parents, I think it's so important that our young people, our teenagers, know that we're proud of who they are, not just proud of what they do. Again, there's a whole lot I'm still learning about, but listen, I I have forever tried to make sure my boys know that I am proud of you. I tell them I'm proud of them all the time, not just when they bring home all A's, or not just when they hit a home run, or not just when they do something great. Yes, I'm proud of them then, but if, if our teens only hear us say, I'm proud of you when you do this, then that's going to speak to them that it's conditional. 
So we want to speak to an unconditional love, an unconditional, I'm proud of you because you're my son, you're my daughter. That's what, that's what God the Father did to Jesus. On two occasions, we have recorded in Scripture the dialogue between the Father and the Son. And on both occasions, God the Father says of Jesus the Son, this is my Son whom I love, in him I am well pleased. Do you hear the unconditional love piece of that? It matters, it matters, it matters, it matters. So parent to your face. Number two, uh, well, go to Proverbs 22. Look at this verse. Proverbs 22 is such a good verse for this whole idea of parenting to the face. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love that verse. Train up a child. A child, whatever phase they're in, train them up. Be strategic. Train up a child in the way they should go because once that arrow's released, it will maintain trajectory. That's actually the visual imagery of that verse. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Number two, parents are principles. So number one, parent to the phase. Number two, how do we have three essentials of a successful family? Parent to principles. When you and I think of successful families, here's what they all have in common. They have in common a handful of principles that they're constantly rallying around and are repeating consistently that become the baseline of everything else that they do. And so I want to I throw you a question this weekend, church, because I think as families, we have to ask and answer this question. And here's the question. What are we orbiting our family around? What are we orbiting our family around? Because just like planets, we can't orbit too many suns, S-U-N, and still be successful. That every family will orbit themselves around something. So what is our family orbiting ourselves around? Is it sports? Is it travel ball? Is it other activities? Is it, is it dance? Is it music? Is it scholastics? Because listen, there are 101 things. There's probably 1,001 things that our family can orbit ourselves around. But my question to us this weekend is, what priority is church in the orbit of our lives? Because we can't expect to raise godly kids if we aren't consistently putting them in godly environments. What is our family orbiting itself around? Listen, there's nothing wrong with sports or travel ball. There's nothing wrong with activities or dance class or recitals or music or scholastics. Yes, my kids did all of that. My kids played Little League, and they learned swear words there. <laughs> you know what my kids learned in church? They learned about love and serving and grace and forgiveness and so many other qualities and characteristics that we want them to have for their whole life. Now listen, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? My kids played Little League. I get it. I'm, listen, there's no bigger baseball fan on planet Earth than me. Just look at my Instagram. I'm telling you, I, I love, okay, so I love baseball. I got nothing against Little League or any other activity, but, 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 it, <laughs> but at some point, we as families are going to have to recognize that every, every parent in here would say they want to raise a child that is Christ-centered and God-loving in, in, in of character and integrity, and yet we're, most of us are not orbiting and ordering our lives in such a way that we're actually going to get that result. Like every single person in all of our 
churches, the campuses this weekend, every one of us would say we want to have an awesome fit body. Self-included. But very few of us are orbiting our lives in such a way around the gym and healthy eating to get the result we say we want. So what we orbit our life around matters. Look at, it, look at this verse. This is crazy. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Romans 6. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Wow. Paul is saying, don't you realize that whatever it is that you choose to orbit your life around and obey, that eventually becomes what shapes your life. And listen, I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this because we all want our kids to turn out a certain way, but we aren't orbiting our lives around the thing that will produce that result. And parents, even when we do, even if we have our kids in church every single week of the year, 52 weeks, that means we get 52 hours a year with your kids. So that means the onus is still on us as parents to reinforce what we're talking about, to reinforce the character and the integrity and the values that we have in our church. That's what we want. And I get it. Well, Matt, everything else in life competes with church. Everyone else in our world is doing all of those things. I know, but at some point, we have to decide that we're not trying to be like everyone else. We're trying to raise godly kids and raise adults. So we have to, we have to, we have to parent to the phase. We have to parent to principles. And then number three, we have to parent to the point. We have to parent to the point. Church, listen, we're not raising kids. We're raising them to become adults. And so here's what that means. That means that, that we're not just managing behaviors. We're parenting their heart. And parents, listen, I get it. It is so tempting to parent to behavior modification, isn't it? Sit down and shut up. They will for a while until either A, they get bigger than you, or B, you're not around. See, and I understand, parents, behavior modification is, is way easier than parenting the heart. And you know what's easy to say to our kids? Because I said so. But you know what, because I said so, is teaching your child behavior modification. So what do we do? Here's what we, here's what we have to do. We have to slow down. Don't hit your brother. Why? Because I said so. Because I'm the dad. Because I'm bigger than you. Okay. But think about what we're teaching our child. Here's how Jesus said it, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I get it. It's easy. It's so much easier for us parents to just modify the mouth, to just modify the outward behavior. But, but it's, it's 
so much harder to parent to the heart. So, so instead of saying, because I said so, here's what we have to do. We have to slow down. We have to parent their heart. We have to pastor their heart. We have to say to them, don't just, don't hit your brother. Why? Because I said so. No, no. You know why? Because if you hit your brother now, and you think that's an acceptable behavior, then someday you're going to hit your friends, and someday you're going to hit your spouse. We have to slow down, we have to parent the heart and say, because that's not like Christ. Because we serve a God of love, and he says, you know what? We're not going to treat each other that way. Sarah and I forever have always said to our boys, home is the practice field. And if we can't get it right in practice, then we're not going to get it right in the game. So we're going to model and practice the behaviors here in the house that we want to see on the game, on the field, in the game. And so we have to slow down. We have to show them the word, even at a young age. We have to, as age appropriate, we have to say to our kids, listen, it's, 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 it's not just about behavior modification. It's about asking this question, parents, what's going on in your heart that would make you want to hit your brother? Do you see it? It, the easier thing to do is just go, hey, knock it off, because I said so. Huh. Don't make me come up there. Okay. And they'll, they'll, you'll modify that behavior for a little while, but their heart will be un, unmoved. And what Jesus is saying, look at the verse again, it's crazy. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We can change what the mouth says, and that's behavior modification for a little while. But if parents, if you'll slow down and parent their heart, Eventually, their mouth will catch up to it. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Do you see how the wisdom of both of those verses plays hand in hand? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Don't just modify the mouth, pastor or parent the heart. And parents, listen, I get it. These moments to parent your kid's heart always come at the worst time, don't they? It's unbelievable. You've had like the world's longest, hardest, worst day ever. It's bedtime. You're literally turning the lights off and locking the doors and something <laughs> happens and you're like, no, I was so going to get a good night's sleep. And I'm just telling you, it matters. It matters, it matters, it matters. So you, you, you all know the statue of David, like that famous statue of Michelangelo, you know, that sculpture of David. There's a legend, and it's uncorroborated, but there's a legend, I love the, the idea of this, about the famous statue of David that says a reporter uh, mused that it must have been difficult to chisel David into the rock. And Michelangelo apparently replied, certainly not. He was there all along. I just had to chisel away everything that wasn't David. Parents, that's what we're doing. That's our responsibility, isn't it? To, to parent the heart, to chisel away, to not, to not live vicariously through our kids. That's not success. To not imprint upon our kids what we think they ought to be. That's not success. Success is for us to see what's in them, to see who God has beautifully made them to be and then help them chisel away all of the rock and stone and marble that's not David, to shape them into who God wants them to be. 
And it's so easy for us to let parenting be about us, but it's not. It's always about helping our kids discover who God made them to be and calling that out of them. Parents, let's make a decision to speak words of life over our kids. Some of us have been speaking negative prophecy, negativity over our kids, pessimism. And we need to go home today and repent and say, I'm so sorry that I've been speaking those negative things over you, but I want you to know that I repent of that. Please forgive me. But from this day forward, I'm going to do better with God's help to speak words of life and truth over you. Listen, you want to model something for your kids? Model apologizing first. Parents, let's be their biggest fans. Let's, let's be their helpful coach in the things that matter, like character and integrity, not just performance and talent. Let's make a decision today, parents, that our kids will turn out best when we're exposing them to the things of God, not just every activity available to them. Let's parent with the end in mind. Because when we do, I have a feeling that we'll look up and find our family is way more successful than we ever imagined that they could be. Not perfect, but more life-giving, successful in Christ's light. So here's what I want to do as we start this series. I want to pray over us as parents. And listen, don't miss next week. My wife Sarah is going to be teaching and it's going to be incredible. She's got perspectives on this stuff that's way better than mine. So listen, parents, today's a day of a fresh start. How you doing? Have you been feeling hopeless? Have you been feeling overwhelmed? Guess what? God wants to touch you right where you are. So parents, maybe seated right where you are, would you just, before we transition and our campus pastors come back, would you just, parents, would every parent, would you just put your hands out in front of you like this in a posture of receptivity? I want to pray for every parent who's listening to my voice right now. And there's probably 2,000 families or more who are represented in our church. And so God, right now, I pray for these parents. Lord, I pray for single moms and single dads. I pray for blended families. I pray for broken and splintered families. I pray for traditional families. I pray for grandparents and uncles and influencers of, of the next generation. And Lord Jesus, today, right now, in this moment, I pray a prayer of blessing. I pray a prayer of grace and mercy that we would never judge ourselves any harsher than you, Lord Jesus, in all your grace and abundant love, judge us. Lord, thank you that we have this tremendous privilege and honor and this really difficult job of being a picture of you as our Heavenly Father to our kids. And so, Lord, I pray for hope, Lord Jesus. Hope is one of the most powerful things on the planet. And Lord, I pray for the parent who's been struggling with hopelessness, feeling overwhelmed and discouraged and crazy. And I pray, Jesus, that that parent, first of all, would know that they're not alone and then secondly, know that you got them. And that with your help, they can have an amazing family, a successful family, a God-honoring, Christ-centered, life-giving family like you desire for every family in our church to be. And so, Lord, I pray blessing over our families now. May this day, may this week be the beginning of a new family. In Jesus' name. And everyone at every location who agreed said, amen.